KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. The ups were great, the downs were brutal. I did something that very rare amount of people do and got to experience stuff, make unbelievable friends and teammates. I look back, and it was 11 years of mental and physical grind, but it was also a lot of celebratory moments and memories that I will cherish forever. And our guest this week, former Phillies prospect, Archbishop Carroll star, Mike Costanzo. Mike, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So these days, you own your own farmer's insurance. Uh, how's, how's life going uh, in the real world now after <laughs> baseball? good in the real world. Um, yeah, like you said, I have a farmer's agency in Springfield where I grew up. Um, just, yeah, I'm in the insurance industry. I like helping people out and, you know, helping save money and the whole nine yards. Uh, but it's a very interesting industry. It's uh, changing all the time, which is very good. Something new every day. And uh, like I said, I like uh, helping people out, you know, planning for the future with life insurance and doing the home and auto, um, making sure people are driving around and their homes are covered properly. So I, I really enjoy it. And it's interesting because I think it was a very smart move by you actually started this when you were still playing. We talked back, I think it was 2015, when you were in Camden and you had already right. undertaken that. Uh, was that something you, was it an opportunity that presented itself that you just had to take advantage of? Or were you starting to think, hey, you know what, I need to position for the next step? Well, it was kind of both. Um, what had happened was in 2014, I um, had back surgery that took me into the offseason rehabbing and everything. And I just kind of sat to myself and I said, you know, if I can't get ready to play next year, what am I going to do in my in my next life after baseball? And there was just a couple options, and I just felt like the insurance industry, it, it caught my attention for a couple reasons. A, I like helping people. B, long-term, you know, um, financially, it, it's, it's a good industry. And uh, there's just a bunch of different aspects that, that you, you tackle every day. Um, so I studied to get my license and then after the license, you kind of go around with the different, um, carriers and farmers was just a really good fit for me where they were at in, in this area and, and kind of being new to this, this area, um, of the country. And it all kind of fell into it. And I knew I wanted to have my office in, in Springfield where I grew up. So yeah, keeping it in Delaware County. And it's interesting. So what? That last year when you're playing with Camden, were you basically working nine to five ish and then going to Camden and suiting up? Um, it wasn't really nine to five. It was more like seven to one or two and then go to the ballpark and get ready for the game. Um, I had my staff there that really helped out, um, with the calls after, after I left and, uh, kind of, you know, when I was playing in Camden, we were doing advertising with, with the River Sharks. Um, and at the stadium, like with the foul balls, you know, every time the foul ball would go out, it would say, brought to you by Mike Costanzo Agency, which was kind of funny because if I hit a foul ball, you would hear it, <laughs> and I would laugh. Um, but it all worked its way out. Um, unfortunately, in Camden, I, I was actually, I was playing really well and uh, hopefully getting picked up by an affiliate. And then from there, I would plan on having my staff run it while I was away. And then in the off season, that would be my off season gig. Um, but it didn't work out like that. I got hurt um, in Camden, tore my patella, collision at first base. And uh, at that point, I kind of <laughs> looked in the mirror and said, the last two years, 
I, I rehabbed 20 months of it. And I think it's time now that I'm, you know, 30, 30 turning 31. I think, I think the body had enough of the wear and tear. How tough was it once you made the decision to not play anymore? Or was it a pretty clean break where, especially because you had the next step right. already laid out, did that make it easier or was it still a kind of a tough transition? Um, it's, it, I think it's always a tough transition, even if you have plan B ready to go up and running. Um, the game of baseball is very, very, um, <laughs> it's, it's tough to say goodbye after you've been playing since you were like, I played since I was two years old. So, um, yeah, going to the ballpark every day, everybody asks, you know, what's the hardest part? I just mean, I, I miss being in the clubhouse with the guys, team atmosphere. That's kind of how, you know, I, 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 I view life as teammates and stuff like that. So. So you mentioned playing since you were two. What are some of your earliest memories of playing baseball? Um, well, I grew up in Springfield. Um, played for, you know, CYO at St. Kevin. Um, then I went to Archbishop Carroll and then Coastal Carolina. But earlier, playing just like, you know, the Delco and CYO baseball um, with your childhood friends growing up um, was, was probably the coolest part of Little League won a Marco League championship that we still, you know, have friends with. Um, so that's that's probably the best Little League memory. And then when I was at Carroll, we won the championship three out of the four years, which is pretty awesome. When did you start to realize that you were maybe one of the better players and maybe I can take this further than most people? Um, eighth grade... When I was at St. Kevin, I was starting to get like interest from high schools um, before the real quote-unquote recruiting was going on. So I did my visits and everything, and I just fell in love with Carroll. And it had to be my sophomore year when uh, I realized, you know, uh, colleges were starting to contact me. And then the next year when at that time you had to wait till July of your junior year and the phone started ringing off the hook for college offers. Um, and I was going through the whole um, recruiting process. That's when it kind of hit me. Why Coastal Carolina? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, probably one of the best decisions of my life, um, if not the best, uh, just because it fit who I was. Um, they gave me an awesome scholarship. They allowed me to play two positions, which I really wanted to do in college. And the coaching staff there all but one are still there so that's a the testament to who they are as human beings mentors friends and essentially parents away mm-hmm. from home right um but i i walked on the campus and i just I, I i knew that that was the place i wanted to be and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life for three years when you go there are you thinking that this, in addition to love in the school, but this can be a track to playing pro? Are you there yet mentally? Um, I don't think you're ever there mentally uh, when you get to college. I think uh, what really helped me out was the competition there at the time was a mid-major school, you know, um, and I just walked, walked on campus, knew I, I had to be competitive, and my goal was to start my freshman year, and I did. And then kind of, you know, college baseball is, it's performance-based. Um, 
have to perform well and play more. And then, you know, the older guys that pro scouts were coming around, then they take a look at the freshman who's doing really well and contributing and going from seventh in the lineup up to fourth, up to third, um, kind of opens eyes. And then my breakout season at Coastal was definitely my sophomore year um, when I knew that I got invited to the Cape Cod League and had had my best year in college probably. So 2005, draft's coming along, and the, are the Phillies showing exceptional interest in you, or when you look back, were they just one of many teams that really liked what they saw? Well, I mean, there were a lot of teams at every game, um, which was awesome. But the Phillies were one of the handfuls that were very visible, talking with my parents, getting to know me as a person, making sure, you know, I, w- I was a decent human being before they were going to invest money in me. And, uh, yeah, the Phillies were amongst just a handful that I, I had a really good feeling that they, they were either going to take me or um, one of the other teams were. But how crazy is that at twenty twenty one, and your hometown team is like you said, making this exceptional effort to get to know you in 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 preparation for the draft. Um, it, it was pretty surreal getting drafted by the Phillies, but leading up to it, um, my my only real concern was helping the team win, getting to a regional, and winning that, and getting to Omaha. Um, I, I felt at that point, if I if I did that, contributed as well as I know I could have, and was a team leader, I know all the chips would fall into play. It was it was the, one of the most surreal moments when I got a phone call from the Phillies and they said they were taking me. It was their first pick in the second round, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty awesome feeling. Yeah. So what's that like week like? Because I know you you I'm sure you came up took batting practice and yeah. did they bring you up into the booth during the, the game to talk and stuff like that. And- yeah, absolutely. So the crazy, crazy thing about that week was the day before the draft, or two days before the draft, um, we had just been eliminated in Arizona um, by Arizona State in our regional. Um, so we, f- me and my parents flew home just so we could be home for the draft, not knowing which team would pick me or anything. Um, so we flew home that day and then the next day it was draft day and we were kind of <laughs> it's funny to think but back in the day we were sitting on a dial up computer right this is 2005 which is crazy dial up computer listening to it and just waiting for your name to be called and we have some cool home videos at home uh that my parents like to whip out during draft day <laughs> of every year and get some good laughs of our reactions um but yeah, it was it it was a very surreal moment. And then draft day, um, my name gets called around twelve thirty, um, and they invite me down to the stadium for a press conference and everything. And knowing that I was twenty thirty minutes away, I got in my Sunday's best, uh, which which was a long sleeve white shirt and khaki pants because that's really <laughs> all I had from college. And uh, we're walking out the house, and my mom's like, "You got you got to bring." the jacket we brought you home with um, from the hospital when you were born. It was a little mini Phillies jacket. So I'm like, seriously, let's, let, I just want to get down there. And she's like, it'll be awesome. So I got it. I, I was holding it. 
And then we go down to the to Citizens Bank Park. Um, we're greeted by John Brazier. Congratulations, yada, yada, yada. And then we walk in, and I walk in the, in the um, press conference, and there was quite a few people there. I was mm-hmm. like, kind of blown away. And I just was up there, and the first question was like, how, how was it to be drafted by your hometown team? So I whipped out the little Phillies jacket, and when I tell you the sound of flashing and pictures taken, I was, I was just like kind of blown away. And looking back at the picture, you can tell in my reaction. Uh, but I was all, all smiles that day. And then that night we went back to my house. Philly's front office came over, um, had my mom's meatballs, and I think they stayed longer than they pr- probably really needed to, but that kept them there. And we finished negotiations around 2 in the morning the following day. Um, so leading up to that, they invite me down, sat in uh, David Montgomery's suite, got to talk to him and have a great conversation with him, and uh, got to hit batting practice, got to meet all the guys. And, uh, yeah, it was a really, really awesome experience walking into the clubhouse, seeing your na- name on a Phillies jersey. And still at that time, it didn't really hit me. So that whole week was quite quite an experience. How long did it take for it to kind of settle in that this is my job now? Um, so I think I stayed home. They, they flew me to Florida in Clearwater to get ready to go to short season in Batavia. And when I walked in the clubhouse and said hi to everybody and met my future teammates, I kind of was like, well, all right. It's kind of like stepping on the Coastals campus. It's business-oriented. It's competitive. And your goal is to now make it to the big leagues as quickly as possible. So at that point when I walked in, after you know everybody's hugging and you know guys from college and stuff like that, it kind of hits you that, you know, Put your cleats on and it's time to go to work. Mike Costanzo, our guest on One on One. We'll take a break and have more right after this. The podcast that's all soccer all the time. It's what's new on the soccer scene. Every week on the Philly Soccer Show, hosted by KYW's Greg Orlandini. What was the experience like for your first home game? It's always interesting to hear from players that come over from Europe. They, they don't have it like here in Philly. <laughs> I think we'll get a little more real for us tomorrow as well. Was that the coldest soccer game you've ever played in? Wow, it's crazy. <laughs> Join the thousands who hear the Philly Soccer Show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back here on one-on-one. Our guest this week, Mike Costanzo, former Philly's top draft pick, Archbishop Carroll star. So you... Moved steadily up, and I know in, I guess, was it 2007 at Reading, you were a monster. I mean, you had a huge year at Double A, I think 27 Mm -hmm. bombs that Mm -hmm. year. You're right on track, and then the offseason comes, (laughs) and you are part of one of the most famous trades in Phillies history. When the Phillies acquire Brad Lidge, you're traded to Houston. Does that hit you like a ton of bricks? Uh, A ton of cinder blocks, I think. It hit me like... um, so yes, 2007, I finished up in uh, Reading, early September, uh, came home for a bit, and then went went to the Arizona Fall League. Um, out in the Arizona Fall League, you know, it's the best prospects in baseball. And uh, I was doing okay, but never thought, you know, that day would come. My focus was on, you know, getting invited to big league camp the following year and uh, making the big league team. Um, 
hoping that, you know, I did enough in Reading to where I didn't have to go to AAA just like I did in short season and skipped Lakewood. So I uh, sitting at the yard house with a couple teammates in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I got a call from Ruben Amaro, and he said, hey, Mike, uh, unfortunately, we, we had to trade you to Houston. Um, I was like, you're, you're kidding me, right? I just talked to them like a week ago because mm-hmm. they were in Arizona. So long story short, sitting, I, I kind of sat back, and I was like, uh, guys, I just got traded to the Astros. They're like, what? And that didn't really hit me until mm-hmm. the next day, and I walked into my fall league uh, clubhouse, and my Phillies uniform was gone, and I had an Astros uniform. Wow. So I was like, all right, now I'm on the Astros. So fall league wraps up. I'm with the Astros. Ed Wade, the GM at the time, was with the Astros. Um, you know, gave me the welcome thing, and I was supposed to fly out to Houston for an aut- autograph session. And a couple of days later, I get a call from Ed Wade, who called my father first to tell him, thinking it was me, and calls me and says, "Hey, Mike, uh, just wanted to let you know you uh, we just traded you to Baltimore in a uh, five person trade for Miguel Tejada." So I'm like, "Really, Ed?" Like, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah." Um, I don't know if it's good or bad news. You're closer to home and gave me the whole spiel. I was like, okay. So I finished eating my cereal and two minutes later, my dad calls. He's like, uh, did Ed Wade just call you? I was like, yeah, he did. <laughs> just got traded again. <laughs> so moving forward there, a couple hours go by and the um, GM of the Orioles, Andy McPhail, calls me and says, welcome to the Orioles. I'm inviting you to big league camp, you know. We have workouts down in Camden Yards. We'd love to have you. So that offseason, I trekked back and forth to Baltimore three days a week. Um, really got in good shape for, for big league camp and then went in 2008 spring training to the Orioles big league camp. Does that series of events, does it change the way you look at baseball? I, mean, I shouldn't say look at baseball, but give you a real understanding of, right. boy, it's not just go out, have fun. There's a, oh, a yeah. cold, hard business angle. At that, at that point in Arizona, um, after you know, I, I got home from that day of seeing an Astros uniform, I kind of sat back. A couple of guys, I said, this is, this is, a, this is a business now. You know, it's not uh, Mike, the local guy, he's going to be in the big leagues playing third base for the Phillies. It, it's just not like that. And uh, kind of different mindset going into the following spring training with the Orioles kind of gave me a chip on my shoulder, you know. That offseason, I'd gotten a really good workout routine and was really, really prepared for the next year. And uh, that thought of just getting traded by your hometown after they made a big deal about drafting a hometown guy, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It definitely it hit me like a ton of cinder blocks, not even bricks, um, when I was sitting in Arizona. So what is the what are the next couple years like as you're battling in the minors, uh, trying to climb up the ladder there. So I, I go to big league camp with the Orioles and was extremely close to making the team. Um, there was a lot of talk about me me making the team out of spring. Unfortunately, I didn't. So I went to Norfolk in AAA, played the whole season there. Was supposed to get called up in September, never did. Um, and then 2009 season, I had knee surgery, and that's kind of when you know I was reminded again it was a business. <laughs> So I went to minor league, uh, got to represent Team Italy in 2009 in the World Baseball Classic and did great and rehabbed my knee the previous year. So I uh, thought I was back up and up, 
back in Norfolk again. And then 2010 spring training comes around and the Orioles asked if I wanted to pitch. And I said, uh, no, no, thank you. I just, you know, I had a good season mm -hmm. the year before, two years before then I got hurt. The year before that I hit 27 home runs and that's the reason why you traded for me as a position player. So, um, I, I kindly declined saying, you know, I, I didn't really want to pitch and, uh, they they um, released me, and I went. I, I played in Camden. You were Camden, right? Ten days. Yeah. Um, and then the Reds came through and and signed me to a minor league double A contract. Do you even looking back when they ask you the pitch? Any idea what's behind that? Did they have somebody that they had more of a shine on that they thought could fill your role in the? I don't think there was anybody else. I just knew. I mean, I would. I was a closer at Coastal mm -hmm. um, and was, was first-team All-American, a Coastal pitcher, as well as a position player. And that was the only lingering thing that they kept saying, you know, we know you have a great arm and, you know, we'd like to give you an opportunity to start your minor league career as a pitcher over again. And that just didn't sit with me well. Mm -hmm. And I knew deep down inside I was a major league baseball player at at a position, third base first base outfield, wherever. Um, so, yeah, that, that was a very, very big rude awakening and kind of went back to the drawing board and had to go to Camden. I was Luckily, I was there for 10 days, and uh, it's probably the one of the bigger moments in my life when the Reds picked me up because I got a chance to go to AA where the manager by the name of David Bell was, and he was a huge mentor in getting me back, not only, you know, playing – physically, but mentally as well. What's going through your, you know, during that, like you, when you arrive in Camden, what, what's your mental state? What are you, because you've been through right. a lot the last right. three years. I mean, right. from 2007 to 2010, that's not how, quote unquote, it's supposed to go. So right. what's your mental state? Um, humbling. I was, uh, I took, I took a, <laughs> a back, I, I put my feelings to the back seat and, like I attacked Coastal and like I attacked the Phillies drafting me, I it, it became all business, challenge, competition, and just living pitch to pitch and day by day to move to the next level. And I, I knew in my heart that the chips would fall and whatever was supposed to happen, happened. So, so you go to the Reds, mm -hmm. you have success, 2012. Mm-hmm. Finally get the call. I think it was relatively early in the season, like May-ish, something like that. You you get called up May to 12th. May 12th, yep. 2012. Did you have an indication? Is Are there rumors that, you know, there's a chance for you or are you eating lunch and the phone rings and it's like, guess what? Um, it, it was actually a pretty cool situation. Um, we just had finished batting practice. Our game starts at 7 or excuse me, our game starts at 6, and uh, batting practice, I'm getting ready, have my uniform on, getting ready, to, and David Bell, who's my manager now in AAA, calls me in the office. I'm not thinking anything of it, and uh, it's just funny how everything works. He, he told me, closes the door, and he's crying because we've been through a lot together the last couple years, and uh, he said, you're going to the big leagues. I was like, you're, you're kidding me, right? So we had an awkward hug for about a good minute of just, you know, embracing each other and celebrating 
via tears. And, <laughs> you know, he sat me down and, you know, said, this is, this is what happened. And Scott Rowland had been put on the disabled list, um, which opened up a spot on the roster. And uh, I was as hot as you can get at that point. Um, and all the chips just fell in my place that day. Bigger moment than getting drafted? Uh, whew, that's a that's a good one. He probably just because of what I went through before, um, and calling my parents was awesome. So, what's it like? Did you go to Cincinnati? Or were they on the road? So, their game starts at seven. Ours was at six. So, I was already ready for a game and showered. So they said, "Well, you need to be on." They're a man short tonight. Can you get to Cincinnati? It's an hour and a half drive. I think I got there. You were in Indianapolis, I guess. No, we were in uh, Louisville. Louisville, okay. Right. Um, So Louisville to Cincinnati is an hour and a half drive. Um, I got there probably a little quicker than than the speed limit (laughs) and GPS would say, but I pulled up to the stadium, and it was like a fire drill. I got my bags. Um, Luckily, one of the guys in AAA – lives in Cincinnati, so he let me borrow his car and just, you know, his parents picked it up. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a team effort to get me to Cincinnati. Um, I signed my contract while I was getting dressed and uh, in the clubhouse, and I walked out to the tunnel with my bat and glove like I do at every game, and there was just 55,000 people there getting ready for Joey Votto bobblehead night. Um, and I got there in the second inning. Everybody gave me a big hug, and down to business we went. <laughs> Did you play that night? Did you get a pinch hit appearance or anything? I, uh, I was on deck, and then they pulled me so the pitcher can come up and bunt. Um, but my my debut was the next day, which was cool. It was Mother's Day. Um, and I had a sack fly RBI my first at bat. So what's what's that like? <laughs> what's that? Do you remember? What's really cool is my family got to fly in okay. and see me play. Um, and Sunday, they would have missed the game, but we got into a rain, rain delay. So our one o'clock game didn't start till four, um, so they didn't miss anything. So it was a really cool moment to you know celebrate Mother's Day with your first major league. <laughs> Nervous, <laughs> excited, or just kind of and I, I I say numb, and I don't mean but just so many emotions that you're just kind of flatlined. Numb is the proper word. Um, stepping in the batter's box, I had a job to help the team. We were down two runs at the time. It was the sixth inning, and uh, runner on third, less than two outs. I got into baseball business mode and uh, got the job done. So it was a really, really awesome moment. And it's kind of like a movie where it's slow motion, then you hit the ball, and then it's like everything's really fast. And then I got in the dugout, high-fived everybody, and just sat down. I was like, what just happened? (laughs) Pretty cool, pretty cool moment. So I think you were up with them about a month, month and a half, something like that. Uh, And you got your first big league hit. Yankee Stadium, yep. am I correct, against yeah. Devon Nova? No, yep, Devon Nova. What, to take me through that. <laughs> that was another awesome experience. Um, so Yankee Stadium, my family, there's about 40 of them there, um, came up to New York. I was starting DH that day, struck out twice my first two at-bats and my third at-bat. I was like, all right, got to get grind something out here and get a hit. So I hit a line drive to left field. It was a, a base hit, and... Uh, part was that Derek Jeter got the ball and knew it was my first hit and threw it to A-Rod and then they threw it in the dugout to keep, which is now sitting on my... Not a uh, bad chain of command there. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I uh, It's probably the best out there, so 
Uh, it was a really, really cool moment. Uh, a, that it was my first hit and it was at Yankee Stadium. B, Derek Jeter acknowledged it. And C, I got to get the ball and it's currently on my dad's desk down the basement. So really cool moment um, to get that for him. And then I had a game-winning sack fly that day. So went from two strikeouts to my first major league hit and then uh, the game-winning sack fly. So pretty neat. What's the clubhouse for you like after that? I don't mean the, the scene. Yeah. I mean you sitting at your locker letting all that roll over yeah. here. That, that group in 2012 with the Reds, it was filled with unbelievable people, let alone teammates. And everybody acknowledged it. And after a game in New York, there's quite a bit of uh, media so everybody would just come give me, you know, congrats. Um, Dusty Baker made it very special, gave me the lineup card and everything. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. <laughs> One, a side note, so after my hit, I get on, on second base, and Derek Jeter comes up, and he says, hey, congrats. And I, I said, 2,999 more, and I'm catching up to you. <laughs> and that was the conversation I had with him, which was, uh, it was pretty cool. So... When you get sent back down in June, mm-hmm. what what is going through your mind at that point? Right. It, there's got to be a satisfaction that you made it, obviously a frustration that you're not staying. Are you thinking, I'll be back soon? What's your mindset there? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime uh, something like that happens, you evaluate the situation. Um, unfortunately, I didn't play as well as I wanted to up there. B, I knew that if Scott Rowland was coming back at some point, you know, he would be their third baseman, and Todd Frazier was emerging that year as well. Um, And when I got there, Todd was very, very hot as a hitter. Um, And I just knew that I had an opportunity to go back down to AAA, get my feet under me again, and kind of, you know, trek my way back up there. And unfortunately, I I didn't get that opportunity. Um, My roster spot was taken by... Um, Broxton, Jonathan Broxton, um, and they made the playoffs that year. So, kind of wasn't what I planned again, but appreciated the opportunity I did have and knew that I belong there. So, next spring training, I can go back, whether it was with the Reds or I signed with the Nationals. Um, there was an opportunity. Not for nothing, though, your whole stretch there, you mentioned the one game you started, you did a lot of pinch hitting, and that is a tough way to try to turn head. I mean, seriously. <laughs> no, that, that Matt, is, I appreciate you saying that. That is really, really difficult to be making your debut, and you're getting one shot, and it's got to be hard to try not to hit a five-run home run every time to try to yeah. justify that you belong, that you should stay right. there. And it, it is tough. I'm not going to underplay it, but it's part of the game. Somebody has to do it. And unfortunately, I just didn't get the job done. There's a lot of guys that can do it, and there's a lot of guys that can't. And there's a reason reason why you don't see a lot of pinch hit, game winning. You know, you don't see them often, and mm-hmm. that's why they're celebrated so much um, because it's difficult. But I, I, I just didn't perform well. I knew that pinch hitting was going to be my role when I get call, got called up, and unfortunately, I faced. Very good pitching later in the game, right. and uh, I, I couldn't do anything with it. And that's just the way that base, baseball is. I understand that. So you mentioned you go to the Nationals, and then you end up back in Camden in 2015. Right. 
when do you start thinking, mm, I don't know. Right. Is it, I mean, you mentioned the injuries with the back and everything. Yeah. Is that what really pushed you, or do you start thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I signed with the Nationals in 2013. I got an opportunity to play for Team Italy again. Um, did great. We advanced to the second round and everything. Another unbelievable experience I had. And then I got released by the Nationals halfway through the season. The Reds picked me up and then made it to AAA again with the Reds. So 2014 comes around, sign with the Reds again. They send me to AA. I get called up to AAA really quick. And in AAA, I had back surgery. The back surgery didn't go well, so I had another back surgery about a month after that. And uh, I knew my season was over, and I didn't think any team would sign me that offseason because of my, my back injuries mm-hmm. the year before. So... That whole off season, I really got back mentally into good shape, physically into good shape, rehabbed, was as close to as 100% as you can get after two back surgeries. I knew I had to go to Camden, and when I was there, I was doing really well, um, and then I blew my knee out. So, like I said before, back-to-back years, uh, more mental <laughs> torture, rehabbing for 20 months than uh, than physical, for sure. And that's when I knew, I just was like, I think I think I took my last at bat and I'm okay with that and it's time to move on. I just can't keep doing this to myself. So now a few years removed, how do you look back at your professional baseball career? I look back at as the experience as a whole. I mean, the ups and downs, the ups were great, the downs were brutal. Um I did something that very rare amount of people do and got to experience stuff, make unbelievable friends and teammates, got to see ports of the world. I probably never would have. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I look back and it was 11 years of mental and physical grind, but it was also a lot of celebratory moments and memories that I will cherish forever. I think he said you, you miss the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. How much do you miss the game, like game nights, playing, being yeah. out there, the grind? The best part was feeling the emotion of the fans, creating an atmosphere before and after the game with your teammates. You know, you see your teammates more than your family during a baseball season. And uh, that's the one thing that I miss is walking to the ballpark, smelling it, feeling it, the energy, um, and just, just you know, grinding out at bats and knowing that, that after the game, whether you win or lose, that, you know, you have good teammates and friends and family that are there to support you or celebrate. Anything you do differently, looking back? Because um, a lot of your the things that took you in different were out of your control. Like, it wasn't like... A, yeah, the one thing that I would probably go back and change is you know, my mentality that is a business and, you know, not take the Phillies trade so hard and the releases so hard and put more mental stress on me. Um, I, I don't think I would change anything. Um, hitting less home runs in Reading. <laughs> so I didn't get traded. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I joke with everybody when they're like, oh, yeah, it's like family trivia. And, of course, my name gets called up as a joke. But, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. I just... uh 
they were all out of my control. <laughs> How much do you miss it now? Um, I, I really, I really don't miss it. Um, <laughs> I just, I just miss the camaraderie of the teammates and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we go down to the ballpark, my girlfriend now and parents and friends. And, uh, you still, I still get that, that cool feel. Um, that's why I like going to Eagles games. <laughs> uh, you just get that feel of walking into a stadium. It's a lot different from a fan standpoint than a player standpoint, but knowing how the player feels is a really, really cool experience. Mike Costanzo, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks, man. That was awesome. And that will do it for this week's show. One-on-one is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like the show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod. That is where we unveil who will be the next guest first. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Matt Leon 10 60. Thanks again to Mike Costanzo for joining us this week. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.